Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Pastor Chet Haney here with the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast, and I'm so thankful to have you with us today here because it's a special day in our studio. We have uh, by uh, Bluetooth phone hookup a, uh, a dear man, Tom Doyle, who's come to share with us a little bit about what God is doing in this world today, especially through uh, folks in the Middle East. Tom, I was in uh, Almaty, Kazakhstan one time, and a fellow from Greenville, whose name is Brian Mizell, told me about going down on vacation to the UAE, to Dubai, and uh, it was at the time that the Passion of the Christ had come out, and um, he said that in Dubai, there was just a mad rush. Every seat was filled in the theaters for the passion of the Christ with Muslim, uh, Muslim people, not necessarily Muslim believers, but just with people who had heard that the passion of the Christ was anti-Semitic. And, uh, <laughs> because they heard that it was, you know, derogatory toward the Jews, the Muslims in Dubai were saying, let's go see it. <laughs> and so God, God was using that, uh, uh, once again, that, uh, rumor, I guess, to uh, create a great openness for people to come hear the story of the gospel. You know, isn't that something? And we know that, too. We know people that were working there in UAE, and uh, they were telling us how many movie theaters it was in at once. I mean, there Uh were movie theaters where they had 16 theaters, and they were all showing it. It was packed, and you know, it it debuted in America, and there was... You know, on Larry King, there's a rabbi and a pastor. Is it anti-Semitic? Oh, it's anti-Semitic. And the <laughs> pastor saying, no, it's not. It's, we're not yeah. saying every Jew did that, you know, and then, yeah. and then in, in Europe, the same thing. And yeah. the rabbis, it's anti-Semitic. By the time it got to the Middle East, yeah. they couldn't have had a better, better investment. <laughs> that was, that was it. You know, right. it's anti-Semitic. Let's right. go watch this thing. Yeah. And there were believers. Muslim background believers, Muslims mm-hmm. that have become believers in the audience, yeah. praying, talking wow. with people afterwards. God. God used that to bring souls into the kingdom. Praise God. Yeah. One of the first people I met in Tajikistan, in Dushanbe, was a pastor of the Resurrection Church in that city. And he shared with me that uh, he was raised as a Muslim, more of a cultural uh, Muslim. But he said uh, he had a dream one night that Jesus was the Son of God. And he mm-hmm. woke up and had no idea what to do with it. And so he just prayed to uh, anybody who might be listening, you know, if you're there, I need you to confirm this and speak to me. And he turned on his television. And at that very moment, there was a 700 Club broadcast in the Russian mm-hmm. language that was wrapping up the show with uh, an explanation of the gospel and how to receive Christ. Oh my God. <laughs> so Pavel got down on his knees and with great humility and gratitude received the Lord and went around and led his whole family to Christ. 
So Praise just like the, the just like the jailer, you know, you and your household will all be saved. And, so um, true when they when they're ready to cry out to him. Yeah. He had the same thing in, in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, Chet, there was a woman there, her husband used to beat her every night. Fundamentalist mm-hmm. Muslim, evil to this family, just pure evil. He his son was five years old, and a couple of times he put his cigarette out on his arm. Oh my gosh! Just to torture him. That's the kind of creep he was. Mm. And this woman is getting beaten up every night, every night. Mm. And one night, he's so mad at his wife, he hits her with a pan, a frying pan. She gets knocked out in the kitchen. She crawls into the living room to sleep on the floor. And she just was there. She's a covered Muslim practicing woman. She said, God, every night I cry out and say, God, where are you? Where are you? I'm changing one word in my prayer tonight. I'm saying, God, who are you? Wow. <laughs> because the God I've been praying to doesn't care about me because you're not there and you don't answer or you're too busy. Mm. So I'm saying, God, whatever your name is, who are you? Well, how is, how is Jesus going to respond to a prayer like that? She can't get scripture. She doesn't know any believers. She has a, high-definition Jesus dream that night. And he tells her, I've heard your cries. I'm here for you, and you're going to survive. You're going to be fine. She she is ready to go the next day, Chet. And she she finds a friend who's got to tell you something. No judgment allowed. They're over coffee. And she said, and I just cried out to God and said, where are you? And And her friend says, we're over coffee. Did you have a dream about Jesus? <laughs> she said, wow. how did you know? And she said, because I started having them about a year ago. I gave wow. my life to Jesus. Wow. And her friend ends up over the next few days leading her to faith in Christ. But the desperation, you think about Jesus responding to the, mm. the woman that had been the issue of blood for 12 years. She yeah. just touched the hem of his garment or the lepers or... Yeah. This is someone just earnestly crying out. Yeah. Jesus hears those cries, and well, he listens to those. Amen. amen. Haven't we been taught in Hebrews that he is a rewarder of those who oh, diligently seek him? That's right. You that's know, so true. And I think that's an explanation of this whole phenomenon. Now, you've written on this, on the dreams. Yes, yes. yes. And, and in fact, mm-hmm. i got to tell you a story about, Joanne and I just wrote a new book, Women Who Risk. Yes. Secret agent for Jesus in the Muslim world. Uh-huh. Speaking of that subject, I, oh. I hope I can just tell this story, Chip. But there's, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's. A, are you going to cut me off? Are we okay? <laughs> no, we man. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a third session or a fourth or whatever we need to do, ah! man. Take your time. <laughs> Thank you. Well, here's this woman, Jamila. And yeah. Jamila lives in northeast Syria in a place called Derazor. Mm-hmm. Derazor is a famous place where Muslims slaughtered Christians. They hung them on crosses about a hundred years ago. ISIS controls this place. It's a place of war. They're just fighting the Syrian army and it's Goodness. horrible bombs going off every day. It's just, it's just destructive. And one day, Jamila is walking through town. There's a break in the action with a couple of Muslim women. They're all covered in black. And one, one woman says to her, have you heard about Jesus? The prophet, that's all they know him as in Islam, is coming to people in dreams. And Jamila said this, 
I said in my mind, I didn't say it out loud because I didn't know how deep it was, but I said in my mind, well, from what I've heard about Jesus, he's a man of peace. I wish Jesus would come to me. Wow. But she said, I never verbalized it. I just thought it in just my mind. Just a thought. Yep. She was, um, she was a diabetic. She had oh. all kinds of problems, couldn't get her medicine. And a couple of months later, she had a massive stroke. She's paralyzed. She's in the hospital. And when she wakes up, Chet, she can't move. She can't see anything out of her eyes. The only thing she has is her auditory control. She can hear the doctor telling her family she's within a couple of days of dying. I'm sorry, Jamila won't make it. The stroke was debilitating. Mm. She's in a coma. We don't expect her to come out. You should make plans for the funeral. Mm. And she heard a big clump on the floor. And it was her mother fainting. And, but she's hearing this chat and she's saying, I felt like I was trapped underwater trying to get out. I want to talk. I want to move a muscle. I want to say something. I can't. Lowest point in my life. And at that very moment, Jesus stood in front of my bed in a vision. And he looked at me and he was in white. And he said to me, Janella, I'm Jesus. I hear you've been looking for me. (laughs) Wow. And doesn't that bring back thoughts of the New Testament, when Jesus would read Amen. their minds, the Pharisees, yeah. why do you say in your hearts? And, right. and they must have had to freak them out. Did I say right. that out loud? No, I just like, <laughs> she said, I thought this once, never thought about it again. I hear you've been looking for me. Wow. He said, you're fine now. I'm with you. And over the next few days, I'll heal you. I could just touch you and you'd be well. But this is for you. And this is for your family. Wow. And then he was gone. Amazing. And she said to Joanna, she told her the story, Chet. She said, I didn't know what this meant. I've never done this. I don't know what praise the Lord meant. But in my mind, I'm paralyzed here. I just felt like lifting my hand and praising God. And her hand goes up. Of course, she can't see. But her hand goes up. She's feeling it go up. She hears another clump on the floor, and it's her mom is fainted again. <laughs> it's her mom. The doctor's wow. in the middle of the She's a goner. Wow. The next several days, he healed her one point, you know, first her arms and her legs, and, just, and finally she comes out of the coma. And her family was ISIS-connected, involved, oh and goodness. over time, every one of them came to faith in Christ. This and is not a story God. like, hey, and they all lived happily ever after, doesn't happen that way all the time in the Middle East. This is tough. To see a radical family completely come to faith in Christ. Wow. Praise God. And to see the joy in her face. Praise God. You think she's going to be stopped telling people about Jesus? I don't think so. Tom, I was telling a fellow pastor friend about you at lunch today. And um, I shared with him how... I know it was your wife and perhaps you as well ministered to the wives of some of those young men who were in the orange jumpsuits who unfortunately yeah. were beheaded and how their yeah. wives were so proud of them for witnessing to their captors and praying for them and forgiving them. Could we come yeah. back in just a, in, in a moment? And I would love to hear you share a little bit about that with our people. I, I appreciate bet. it, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you listeners for being a part of our His Mighty Hand radio broadcast. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chet. 
even though he was a member of another church at that time and a leader at that church, in his heart, he was an unbeliever. Isn't that something? Now, the tone of the unbeliever is not always like the tone of this man on the cross, harsh and hateful and and selfish. You can tell a lot about a man by his tone. Sometimes you can tell more by his tone than you can by his words, which is why we say, of course, it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. Now, how to change your tone? How can a person change his tone? Well, two things. First of all, if you want to change your tone, focus on your own tone. Because one thing I've learned in life is if a person wants to change somebody, the best person to change is to change yourself. We all like to focus on other people's tone and other people's sin and other people's shortcomings and and we're really not very good at changing somebody else. But with God's help, we can change ourselves even on the cross. I want to tell you something. It wasn't the cross that really kept this man from Jesus. It was his heart. And if you want to change your tone, focus on your own tone and then go deeper because the tone is simply indicative of what's going on at a deeper level in the heart. Uh, the Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and then with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. We've got to start at the heart level. And, and speaking of that, let me just uh, ask you to consider the change that happens in the heart by Psalm 86, 11, where the Bible says, Unite my heart that I may fear your name. So let's ask ourselves these three questions. Number one, do I have an undivided heart? Is my heart completely centered, focused, united, undivided? That's the only way we can really fear God is with an undivided heart. And then I could ask myself the question of Exodus 35, 5, where Moses instructed the people to bring acacia wood and, and the furs of uh, animals and, and uh, precious uh, metal and, and rubies and, and so forth. And he said, the ones who give with a willing heart, God will use their gifts to build this tabernacle. Now, my question first is, do I have an undivided heart? And then number two, do I have a willing heart? And then number three, is there room in my heart for Jesus? Revelation 3.20 was not really particularly spoken to an unbeliever. It was spoken to a lukewarm and backslidden church. In Laodicea, where Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And what door would that be? It's the door of your heart. And Jesus says, if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. 
Now, the question then is, have I welcomed Jesus into my heart? Uh, That's not really once done forever accomplished, by the way. Because even though you may still be saved, you may still be a believer, it may be that Jesus gets squeezed out because of idolatry, because of theft, when we give some someone else or something else the rightful place that belongs to him, we take it from him. Um, that's called robbing God. And um, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. I know that sounds like a, a cliche, but it's true. Only brokenness can fix that. And you know, it wasn't long until this thief died. He was speaking the last breaths, the very last hour or two of his own life, speaking like this to Jesus. He didn't have much time left, not many breaths left, not many heartbeats left, not for this thief. He was about to make the greatest mistake of his whole life, which is to go out into eternity as an unbeliever. Don't do it. Whatever else you may do in this life, don't die without Christ. It's a terrible mistake. We can assume concerning his motive. We can speculate concerning his tone, but we can learn from his mistake. This is a man who was too proud to accept his own fate. I heard Dr. Rogers say, Adrian Rogers, before he went home to be with the Lord years ago, he said that America is in such a state right now, we're strutting around proud as if we're too good to be judged, too good to be condemned. And that's why the Bible says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Here's a guy who thought he was smarter than Jesus. And so he's telling him what for. Can I ask you a question? Do you you maybe think that too sometimes? That you've got it right and God's got it wrong? i tell you something about America. This country was started by Puritans who came over on small ships in order to establish a Christian culture, society. And one of the things they found they had a shortage of in those days was preachers. They needed a lot more preachers because they were getting a lot more and more people And so they established Princeton and Harvard and Yale for the teaching of theology and for the instruction of evangelism and for the propagation of missions. What happened to those universities? Same thing happened in Genesis chapter 3. Rebellion is what happened. And that's exactly what's gotten our country in the shape it's in. That's exactly what will get all of us in the shape that we'll be in if we find ourselves broken by sin instead of broken in heart. You want to let God break your heart? 
this morning, then uh, I want to encourage you to apply a little RH factor. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin, but you know for blood to be mixed with uh, another person's blood, there has to be a certain factor of compatibility. And here is the RH factor for a broken heart. Number one, ruthless honesty. The power of a clean conscience is the power of a transparent life before God. You know what we did in staff not long ago? Brother John tell you about it. We sat down, Brother Steve was there with an instrument called the complete spiritual. You go to the doctor's office, they give you a complete physical. They can check you from head to toe to see how you're doing. The complete spiritual is an instrument that was introduced to me by Ryan Loving Life Action Ministry a few years ago in our church when we were having revival. And it's a survey that is very detailed. And it asks a lot of hard questions and And you go through this survey, and if you're going to be ruthlessly honest, it's painful. Because you can't check all the boxes, no, unless you're perfect. And afterwards, as a staff, we had a little discussion time, and there were several people who spoke up and with sadness and a little bit of uh, disappointment. They said, you know, there were several places where I could not say no, I had to I had to scratch yes. This is true of me, and I, I am guilty of this. And I mean this discussion went on for quite a long time. And as a staff, we began to realize that it's kind of a folly to think that we're gonna have revival in our church if we can't have revival in the church office. So we asked God to help us with ruthless honesty. And if you want to keep going. You might add to that reverent humility. You might ask yourself this question, who am I to demand anything from a holy God? Who am I to challenge Jesus to do something demandingly as if he owed me anything? Jesus doesn't owe me anything. I him everything. And it's funny how ruthless honesty will give birth to reverent humility. And then try a little restored hope. It's hard to feel hope when you're basically sick of yourself. And uh, when you feel like a thief on a cross, And you don't really know how you're going to change yourself. Well, let me give you a little clue. You're not. One of my seminary professors was invited to go to a church not far from Fort Worth and preach. He preached on Daniel that morning. Had his little nine, ten-year-old son with him. And on the way home to Fort Worth, the little boy asked his professor, daddy, theologian. He said, Dad... Did Daniel really do all that stuff, or was that just preaching? (laughs) And wisely, after preaching on the lion's den and preaching on 
you know, uh, the fiery furnace and the different miracles in the book of Daniel, his father said, well, son, you know, if, if God could create the world out of nothing and place it in a beautiful universe that's so big, and if God could raise Jesus from the dead, don't you think God could do those things that we read about in Daniel today? And you know what his little boy said? His little boy said, oh, Dad, with God, that's different. <laughs> exactly. With God, that's different. You know what happened to Jerry Morris, Brother Steve? Jerry Morris got to thinking about the physics of the resurrection. That's why he said he wasn't buying it in the first place. He's kind of a scientific thinking man, an engineer. And Jerry Morris got to thinking about the God who created things from nothing. In theology, we call this ex nihilo, that God uh, spoke the universe into existence from nothing. When he said, let there be, and it was. That's how the whole universe got started. And there are stars a million light years away from here that were created by the voice of God who spoke from nothing. And Jerry said, if God could do that, it wouldn't be much trouble for God to raise his son from the dead. He became a believer. You know what Jerry did? He uh, he texted me this week, can I call you? I said, give me a minute. And I called him back in a little bit. Uh-oh, I guess we got an amber alert going, don't we? All right, just a minute. I want you to get this. So let's wait till we uh, get focused again here. Everybody with me now? All right, listen to this. When uh, when Jerry texted me, I called him back in just a few minutes. And you know what he told me? He told me about a sermon that he's been listening to on the cross by Alistair Begg. And he said, this is one of the most impactful sermons that I have ever heard in my entire life. Can I share it with you? I'm like, please do. I want to hear it. He sent it to me, but what he said was pretty cool. He said, right after I received the powerful blessing of this message, I stepped out from my house, and the Carillion at Kavanaugh Methodist Church was playing a song. And it just happened to be the old rugged cross. You know what Jerry said? He said, I do not believe that was a coincidence. He said, do you think that could have been God speaking to me? I said, Jerry, yes, I do, because I believe God shows favor to those who show reverence to him. I believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it wasn't a coincidence. It was the favor of God. Now, would you bow with me in prayer right now? Father God, in Jesus' name.
right now, I just want to pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just anoint this moment in our uh, awareness. Father, that you would uh, show us right now um, how you want us to respond to your goodness and your grace. And I just pray, Lord, in this invitation that we could open our hearts, humble our hearts, and receive a blessing from you right now. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. We're going to spend a moment with the Lord. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry for the little child that uh, maybe this Amber Alert relates to, but I also want to recognize that something's trying to get our attention right now, away from the Lord. We're not going to let it happen. We're going to focus on Him just as though these were the last breaths of our life. And we're going to say, Lord Jesus, I am not here for anything else but for You. Would You join me in saying that? And if the Lord compels you to come with a decision for Christ, I encourage you to step forward and make that decision right now. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 